0: Hello and welcome to Explorations on Feminist Leadership by One Future Fellows 2021, a podcast by the 2021 cohort of the One Future Fellows, where we discuss, examine and learn about all things feminist leadership. I'm Vishwa and my pronouns
1: are she and her. And I'm Manasa,
2: my pronouns are she and her. I'm Sai and my pronouns are also she and her. I'm Sky and I go
3: with any pronouns and today we will be talking about changing narratives around leadership and heroism. Now there's been a lot of conversation lately about leadership and Shifts in narratives regarding who and what exactly is a leader. At some point in our lives, most of us have been asked about, asked to talk about, you know, the characteristics of a good leader. But who exactly is a leader and what exactly is leadership to you, Sai? So
0: thank you for asking that question traditionally whenever the word leader came up the immediate words synonymous to that would be authority influence captaincy command dominance so on warriors freedom fighters political leaders are immediate examples that one you know can think of however over the course of time um, you know the meaning and perception around leadership is changing Values such as respect, holding space, empathy, compassion are slowly making their way through, you know, some of the words associated with personality of being a leader. And after having conversed with several people, some already established leaders and some budding ones, I realized that each one perceives leadership so differently. And it's like leadership is not one size fits all. It's a concept that's so unique, so unique. Is color- just cultivated manifested differently by each individual. Um, uh, Sai, is there something you you, you think, what what are your thoughts about leadership? Uh,
2: I totally agree with you Vishwa. I think uh, leadership was uh, often perceived as one person leading a certain cohort. But I think uh, I would like to emphasize here that there are no courses to becoming a leader. Uh, A leader is one who takes responsibility to solve a problem and to bring about a change in their environment. I think especially we saw during the second wave of COVID, the extreme lack of appointed leadership, but also how, quote unquote, ordinary citizens stepped up to fill this vacuum. They took up accountability and worked with those around them to find solutions. This decentralization or sharing of power is, I think, one of the key characteristics of the changing narrative of leadership. And I think this shows how each one of us possess those innate skills and resources to become those heroes that we're often looking for in others. But uh, Vishwa, I totally agree with you that uh, leadership is not a one size fits all solution. However, I think there is still a strong belief that uh, leadership is synonymous with uh, masculine traits. So uh, what do you think of that, uh, Sky?
3: You know, the association between leadership and masculinity, it's so deep-rooted. Traditionally, a position of leadership has been characterized with acts of heroism that demonstrate qualities such as aggression, power, dominance, and complete control. Now, conventionally, these qualities are considered to be masculine. After reading the existing literature, I found striking similarities when it comes to the social construct of heroism and that of masculinity, Words such as bravery, fearlessness, courage. are used to describe both heroism and, you know, masculinity society. So there's a parallel between the two. And that's exactly where I question myself that you know do people really consider heroism as a manifestation of masculinity do men own the narratives around heroism but what i'm also noticing in the last few years is how you know feminist leadership is certainly making its way through these traditional ideas and notions of leadership and even though we're still uh, you know we're still away from the ultimate goal it sure is gaining momentum even with media representation, research papers, articles, and I have seen several of, you know, several individuals holding awareness programs, meetups, open mic fundraisers, and so many other things that focus around bringing a shift to the old age narratives of becoming a leader which go hand in hand with the traditional ideas of masculinity. So, you know, when it comes to that, there have been several years that there has been a direct societal parallel between the constructs of masculinity and leadership and heroism. And I think that media being one of the major things that the society feeds into us, it has played a huge role in it, drilling it into our heads. What are your thoughts on that, Manasa? Yes, guys. So
1: as you mentioned, yeah. Uh, Heroism is definitely a manifestation of masculinity in the traditional society. And uh, we surely have to hold uh, media accountable for this kind of uh, image uh, that we currently have. And, you know, there are so many superhero franchises like Marvel, DC and Power Rangers. And majority of these superhero characters are white, cis-heterosexual men exhibiting masculinity. And there aren't enough uh, representation of other genders, sexualities, and ethnicities. If you see the statistics, only 12% of the comics in the leading superhero franchises have female protagonists. And I feel like even this 12% is being represented only to gratify the the heterosexual male gaze and not to enhance inclusivity or diversity. And this is actually evident in the way female female superhero characters are sexualized in terms of costumes. For example, uh, I noticed that Gal Gadot, who uh, was highly sexualized on uh, social media for her costume in Wonder Woman, and there was also uh, a lot of unnecessary and uncomfortable media attention on Scarlett Johansson, who played Natasha in The Avengers for her skin-tight costume. So... On one hand, while the representation of female superheroes are highly sexualized, on the other hand, female superheroes and female protagonists have the pressure to exhibit masculinity in order to be acknowledged as a hero. And I find this quite problematic because, you know, it just erases the narratives of femininity. Why can't they just be portrayed within the social construction of femininity? And to think about it, the answer is simple, patriarchy. Patriarchy is so against femininity that it associates only masculinity with strength, power, and heroism. I mean, come on, it's 2021 and there still isn't a representation of a brown, fat female superhero who exhibits great bravery within the social construction of femininity.
0: And it's very that's a very interesting point that you brought up about how superheroes are represented. And, um, you know, we've all, to most of us to some extent, have actually grown up watching these movies. Mm-hmm. And now viewing it from that lens, uh, from a lens of femininity, from a lens of intersectionality, mm-hmm. really puts things into perspective. Um, and one thing that, you know, I've also noticed that while, of course, shifts are occurring, in you know different genres of movie I think um, movies in Bollywood like Razi Mericom English English, Lipstick Under My Burka, Pink just a few to name um, there are now more, more and more women centric movies like these are coming up and these movies have been so powerful and often send this one unanimous message that if a lady decides to do something she's unstoppable while I would also like to Point out and bring attention to this fact that these movies themselves have a lot of, um, you know, downfalls and discrepancies and gaps. But overall, you know, the theme has been more women based versus a male dominated movie that was prevalent in the golden era of Bollywood. So while shifts are occurring, I think we still have a long, long way to go. And another interesting thing that I picked up on while you were talking, Manasa, was. You know how um, earlier, like women were shown like damsel in distress and how a male figure would come and save them. That brings me into discussing this really uh, interesting concept of male savior complex. Um, if you could just share, what are your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: yes, Vishwa. Actually, t- this one's an interesting uh, topic to discuss. So, male savior complex, I think a lot of us would know it as uh, white knight syndrome. So, basically, it is a need to save people by fi- trying to fix their problems, even if they didn't ask for help. And uh, I think most. I feel like most men have this intense need to help a women in tasks like lifting heavy bags or reaching out, reaching for something on the top shelf, or even Uh, opening a jar and uh, I suggest that this tendency is rooted in misogynistic attitude as they see women and femininity uh, as they associate women and femininity to weakness or physically unfit to carry out these tasks and uh, this is in fact why men take the lead on executing physically challenging tasks Uh, you know it is just to make themselves feel good that they did something heroic by, quote unquote, helping out a woman. Uh, and uh, I also want to share something. Uh, I once uh, came across a male so-called activist who spoke at a rally that seek justice for a victim of sexual assault. He, in front of hundreds of protesters, said that men were created, quote unquote, stronger than women to protect women and not to abuse them and again this is uh, this is another thing that i uh, found extremely problematic and this was straight up gaslighting to be honest and you know men just feel like it is heroic uh, thing to not harass anyone men feel like it is a heroic thing to do the bare minimum
2: I totally agree with you Manasa and thank you for sharing uh, your perspective with us and also Vishwa for talking about the shift in perspectives. Uh, I would like to ask you uh, all what are your thoughts on the, some of the major struggles that women face both to become leaders and the struggles that they face once they manage to uh, actually become leaders. Sky, what do you think about this?
3: You know, you've seen how often and how easy it is to label a woman in a leadership position as arrogant or someone who got the position by chance. Earlier, customs and policies didn't even allow women with the basic rights of food, clothing, shelter, security. Till date, if a woman, you know, outgrows a man in terms of personal or professional relations, it's it's often looked down upon the feelings of insecurity, uh, the male ego, jealousy, inferiority and resentment are closely related to this narrative surrounding women empowerment and leadership I think.
0: Those were such important uh, emotions that you mentioned, inferiority, jealousy, insecurity, and I think the primary root cause is also how these emotions start, uh, you know, uh, Becoming deeply rooted since the very beginning, since the childhood, you know, there are certain narratives in the Indian context that, you know, blue is for boys and pink is for girls. Even I have seen personally how, you know, parents would get like kitchen set for girls and, uh, you know, cars and maybe something like books and stuff for boys. And while this culture was present earlier, I think one more thing that comes to mind would be how people had that stereotype of only uh, girls can maybe go for arts, and, you know, boys go for uh, science and commerce. But I think there has been such a huge shift since then how, uh, you know, people like uh, currently also, I think a lot of leaders, a lot of, um, you know, these streams, they are all merging and. It really shows how intersectionality is also coming to play over here, where there is no disparity, no discrepancy based on gender or sexuality. While we still have a long way to go, but I think we are slowly bridging that gap. And these things, uh, you know, these uh, gender differences uh, in terms of uh, the toys they play with or the stream they choose, everything is kind of fading away with inclusion setting in. Um, And nowadays, I think in the world of feminism, a lot of words of uh, liberation, autonomy, uh, women empowerment, gender mainstreaming have gained momentum. And over the last 30 years, there has been extensive research conducted in the uh, field of feminist leadership and intersectionality. But it is only recently we as a community, our understanding of power and organizational behavior that has emerged during this time in the light of feminist leadership.
2: I totally agree with you, Vishwan. I was just thinking about the reasons why this shift has been happening. Uh, I think it's because uh, it's a result of an increased number of women in uh, all kinds of workspaces fighting the everyday fight uh, to create a more equitable professional environment as well as a domestic environment where men have also been uh, sort of the leaders in that space. I think the advent of technology and access to information have also been a significant contributor in creating these opportunities and educating people on fair practices. I think uh, although organizations initially resisted forced changes uh, to increase uh, diversity, to increase inclusivity and equality, I think a need to to keep up with the changing times has also required them to embrace these changes and also effectively created uh, the required impact.
1: Absolutely, Sai. I hear you all. And you know, we have been talking about feminism and leadership even earlier. And I would like to uh, understand more about this thing called feminist leadership. So what exactly is, uh, how, how, how does it focus on women being in a place of power and authority? Or let me put it this way. What, according to
3: you, is feminist leadership You know, essentially the idea of feminist leadership is one that's really highly debated upon and has been for centuries at this point of time. The thing is that the major idea is considered to be so controversial when ideally it's certain problematic followers of the idea that rather are controversial than the idea itself. Feminist leadership essentially focuses on elements of safety and security.
0: And, you know, when you say, Sky, that I think a most important point and one of the basic needs, safety and security, I think is such a crucial element to survival. And through feminist leadership, you know, we are trying to ensure that all people have rights and access, you know, to these basic needs. It's not about viewing situation beliefs and existing patterns from a binary lens but it's more about viewing these divisions, disparity and inequality which are so prominent in the external world through the lens of non-binary. And you know, as All femi puts in her book uh, which is called, femi- called Feminism Interrupted, she says that feminism has a purpose beyond just highlighting the way women are discriminated against. Feminism's task is to remedy the consequences of gendered operation through You know, organizing different ways of thinking, restructuring and reframing how we think of ourselves as potential human beings. It focuses on values and virtues, heavily grounded in those values and virtues of radical acceptance, compassion, something that is more collaborative and circular versus stringent and directive.
2: I hear you Vishwa and a very relevant example comes to mind. Uh, I was speaking to a close friend recently who has been working in a global manufacturing giant for the last 10 years. Uh, This happens to be a predominantly male space. And she was telling me about the change in leadership that she's observed in the last decade, where when she joined, uh, she witnessed uh, yelling matches between grown men uh, because they thought the loudest one was... uh, would turn out to be the leader or who the he could end up uh, making the decision for everyone. But she mentioned how this fear-based uh, environment has changed into a trust-based environment where earlier a leader might uh, insult uh, a subordinate to create fear among uh, his uh, peers, in order to get work done from them. But she mentioned how this has changed to a trust-based environment uh, where a leader actually ends up mentoring uh, his team and believes in situational leadership, uh, which is now considered more effective than a one-size-fits-all approach that we talked about earlier. So I think this was a very relevant example and an optimistic one as well, where she also mentioned that uh, multiple layers of hierarchy have also been removed now. And uh, a global manufacturing giant, a corporate, is trying to build a more horizontal organizational structure. So I found it to be really optimistic and uh, telling of the shifting narrative of leadership that we've been talking about
1: thank you for sharing that example sai and, uh, and i think I... it draws also clear line between uh, who a boss is and who a leadership uh, who a leader is and i think that moving on into the contemporary world this is the kind of uh, leadership structure that uh, i hope to see uh, in uh, organizations across india and also the world uh, for me, overall, I believe that feminist leadership needs to be intersectional. And as Kimberly Crenshaw, the pioneer of intersectionality, highlighted, how we all have different identities and how these identities overlap incongruently. And people face variety of discrimination due to these overlapping identities. So we need to take into account all these
2: factors and pursue a leadership in a
1: more inclusive pattern.
2: Uh, I totally agree with you, Manasa. And I too believe that there needs to be a shift from the binaries of male-female leaders to a more collective one. Uh, I think I would like to start a conversation around these individuals who are currently working from the lens of feminist leadership. Is there anyone who comes to mind for you, Sky?
3: There are so many, actually. I don't know who to begin with. Like starting with the one who coined the term intersectionality in the first place, Kimberly Crenshaw. What a lady. And then, you know, there are so many uh, Angela Davis, one of the best known leftist writers, and Kiruba Mumu Sami, one of the best, like, you know, DB activists in India. And then queer activists who have played a crucial role in working towards the inclusion and intersectional leadership, such as. Helen Tavares, and Sandra Moran. And I don't think we can talk about queer leadership without talking about Marsha P. Johnson, without whom pride wouldn't have existed in the first place. Then B.R. Ambedkar, one of the first intersectional leaders of India. And then considering the current socio-political scenario of India, leaders like Omar Khalid, Sapura Zargar, Devangana Khalitha, Natasha Narwal. And so many more have like truly inspired me. Absolutely
1: Sky. Uh, all these names that you mentioned, their words and works, they have definitely uh, inspired me personally and uh, I really liked how you uh, mentioned, about, mentioned how there, there doesn't need to be a male-female binary and uh, the leadership has to be uh, intersectional in nature. And uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing your thoughts. But before we end today, any last thoughts you would like to share to our listeners today,
2: Sai? Uh, Sure, Manasa. Uh, I think in my journey, I've noticed how leadership as a value is required in all aspects of life, be it personal or professional. Uh, Bringing shifts in existing ways of living and moving with time uh, requires us to have a control over and a vision about what we want to do so I think I would say that those personal shifts that we invite to our lives on a day-to-day basis the challenges we cope with and the courage that we put across uh, maybe uh, to prove a point or uh, even if people dismiss our thoughts or when we overcome the fear uh, and rise strong in the face of adversity or whether it is only to show up for an exam or to meet new people or surviving a pandemic, which we are, which all of us are doing right now, or whether it's a first job interview or it is to start one's own organization. I think we're all leaders. We all wear those invisible capes. The art I think here is to be just a little more cognizant of the same.
0: That's... You know, I I really think that's such a a holistic conversation. Um, By tapping, I think we have covered a lot of the macro stuff. And what I'm feeling right now is that this topic is so vast and broad and there is extensive research that no matter how much ever we try to cover in a podcast, it's never going to be enough. So thank you to all our listeners. Thank you for joining us and listening to us today. We really appreciate your support. If you like this episode, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at One Future Collective. You can also follow us on Twitter at One Future One Future underscore India. And keep an eye out for future episodes on explorations on feminist leadership by One Future Fellows 2021. Please leave us. Any questions, comments, feedbacks for us on Anchor or in our DM? We look forward to hearing your thoughts. Until next time, take care of yourself and we hope that we can explore more together.